Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. And it's an amazing thing that the downfall of America began when we took prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance out of our school. So let's go back to the beginning so that our end can be more glorious than the beginning. Amen. Put your right hand over your heart. Say this with me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Somebody shout, God bless America. Give the neighbor, your neighbor a high five and tell them we can do it again. Amen. So we're going to do God bless America at the end, okay? Everybody got the victory, say amen. Everybody believes our best is yet to come, say amen. I want to ask you to open your Bible this morning to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. It's on page 649. And we're going to continue to talk about how can we be the light in a world of darkness. The Bible says, the Lord says, that you are the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? You are. You're the light of the world. And the only way, and I know I keep saying this, but the only way for darkness to exist is in the absence of light. Now, the devil's making it very uncool to be the light of the world. The devil's doing everything he can to make it uncool to be holy, to be moral, to be a Christian, to quote scripture. He's using all kinds of arguments, and that's why I'm teaching these things on this week, to give us the weapons of our warfare. And the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not of this world, but they're mighty in God. And one of the main weapons, aside from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is knowing what the Word of God says. You know, we, we say this all the time, because we've been talking about Abortion. We've been talking about transgender. We've been talking about one world government. We've been talking about socialism. We've been talking about communism. We're talking about these things that are being brought into our world at a very quick pace. If you look at the morals of America in the last two years, it's absolutely amazing how fast we're going down. Now, remember, as we said last week, the average empire, the average great nation lasts 250 years. We are now 247 years old. What happens in the next two years, I determines, I believe determines whether we see a great downfall of our nation, whether we see a great resurrection of our nation, or whether we see the coming of the Lord. And and I know I'm talking to us as Americans, and we have tens of thousands of people that join us on stream, and what's, what's right in one country is right in another country. And so when we're talking about these things, I want to make it very clear, I'm not attacking any person. But the Bible says we battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Everybody say battle. battle. We do battle. And so they'll try to make it, oh, you're attacking this, or you're homophobic, or you're uh, this, or you're that. No, no, we're just talking about something that the world is coming out of the closet with. We talked about when, uh, uh, when Pastor Troy went down to the Capitol and the gay community, 3,000 of the gay community came out, and they started shouting, we are queer, we are here, we're not going anywhere, Satan rules. Just recently, we said last week, they were in, was it New York or New York? And they said, we're queer, we're here, we're not going anywhere, Satan rules, and we're coming for your children. Okay, so I'm not battling with flesh and blood. 
but I am battling with the very thing that they're coming out of the closet with, and that is principalities and powers. They're, they're, uh, they're vocally saying we're serving Satan. When we looked at socialism or communism, we looked at Karl Marx and we looked at Stalin, we look at Hitler, we look at the evil that is beyond evil that we can understand, these people were anti-God and pro-Satan. So we need to understand that we are in a battle and we can win this battle if we are the light of the world. Now, I don't usually say this, uh, tell this kind of thing because most of the church world can't handle it. But a story that happened right before I got saved, before I gave my life to the Lord. And I believe the devil knew that I was going to give my life to the Lord. Um, I had been living in Columbia, South America. I had a ranch down there in Columbia. I was in the import-export business of uh, uh, all-natural substances. And there were seven federal warrants out for my arrest. I always think that's, that's not a coincidence. Jesus shed his blood seven times. There were seven federal warrants out for my arrest. Even when the devil almost got me, Jesus was giving me a chance. Amen? And so I came back, found out that I'd been selling to a narcotics agent for a couple years while I was living down there. So we felt led of the Lord to leave St. Louis, Missouri, and we fled to Arizona to hide from the police. And uh, when I got there, I got saved. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about being filled to the Holy Spirit. I was, I was ignorant of everything. And when I got saved, my pastor, we had a lot of churches in Mexico. My pastor, as a young convert, said, come with us to Mexico. They're doing a, a conference with our Mexican churches and so I'm newly saved. I don't know anything of anything. I can't find Genesis or Revelations. And the one head pastor of our Hispanic churches down there said, oh, would you guys come in? We're going to pray for this guy. And this guy had been a pastor, and uh, he had backslidden through, through immorality. He cheated on his wife, but he kept going further and further down in morals until he became a homosexual. And so he wanted to give his life back to the Lord. And so all these pastors, I'm just the fly on the wall. And so all these pastors come in and, and American pastors and Mexico, Mexican pastors. And I'm standing back watching this. And they're laying hands on this young man who used to be a pastor, had fallen in morality. He didn't speak any English. And they're, they're laying hands on him, and they're binding the devil. And all of a sudden, he opens his eyes. And he didn't speak any English. And he goes, I know who you are. Now, I want you to know something. I immediately thought about going back on drugs. <laughs> he looked at every one of these pastors, six or seven pastors from America there. We're doing a big conference. And he named who they were. I know where you live. I know where you named their names and named what city they were pastoring in. And at that moment, the only scripture that I cared about was greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, in the almost 50 years uh, that Tiz and I have been married and in the ministry and, and preaching the word of God, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of these kinds of things. And the only reason I say it is you've got to understand we battle not with flesh and blood. But we do battle with principalities and, and rules. You know, I'm, I'm thinking when I get through this series, I'm going to do a series on understanding the armor of God. God says to put on the armor of God. He didn't say put a tutu on. He said put on the armor of God. Why? Because we're in a battle. But we need to understand if we'll stand and fight, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. So I want to emphasize, we battle not with flesh and blood, but there is a battle going on for your life. There's a battle going on for your family. There's a battle going on for your children. There's a battle going on for our state, our city, our nation, for the world, because we are closer to the coming of the Lord than we have ever been before. And every one of these battles that we've been talking about, whether it's Balaam or Moloch or whatever it is, it is a sign that we are close to a one-world government, one-world economy, and one-world religion. But I read the end of the book, 
that if we do what God calls us to do, we're not going home with a moan, we're going out with a shout. I looked up an article that what is causing all this to happen? And I found an article called the Drag Queen Story Hour. It's out of the Daily Citizenship. In fact, fact, there was another one, I think, by Focus on the Family. And what the Drag Queen Story Hour is, is these men dressed up like women in dresses, inviting you to bring your children to a library to have them read stories about being transgender. And in the article, they finally admitted, they said, and I, and I had a list, there's like 30 things they admitted to, that they admitted in a, in a nutshell that we are grooming your kids. We are grooming your children. Now, that shouldn't shock us because like we said last week, they said in the, in the New York, New York gay, pri- gay Pride Parade, we're coming for your kids. Now, I don't know about you, But there are three things you don't do to me. One, you don't kick my dog. (laughs) Two, don't ever insult my wife. And three, don't ever put your hands on my kids. And if you don't feel like that, shame on you. Because if they're coming for our kids, I got news for you. We're coming for their kids, and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Can I have an amen? Now, you can call that hate speech if you want, and I went all through that, but it's not hate speech. We understand that we are the answer because we have Jesus Christ in our Lord, in our hearts. Read with me in 2 Chronicles, starting, uh, chapter 7, starting with verse 12. Then the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, and I want you to look at that, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, everybody say if. If. Say if again. If. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, if then, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So Lord is talking obviously to Israel, but I want us to look at these words as God is not just talking to Israel, but he's talking to us. And in that, just take a moment to look at the parallel between Israel and America. Israel and America are the only two nations in the history of the world were founded to serve God. Now, I want you to think about that. Israel was founded to serve God. America, by our founding fathers, was founded to serve America. Israel abandoned God, and we know what happened when they abandoned God. God removed the protection. And their enemies came in and destroyed them. After the death of King David, the nation was divided in two. Those who want to serve God and those who don't want to serve God. And when that division came, a a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And this division opened the doors for the enemies to come in and destroy the nation of Israel. So in looking at this and realizing these words are for Israel, but looking at that, the reality is, and and I think it was Biden a few months ago said, we are a nation not founded to serve God. Well, I beg to differ. Look at our history. We are a nation to serve God, founded to serve God, and Israel was a nation to serve. We are unique in that. And when God chooses us, 
he gives us a responsibility. So has America abandoned God? Well, let's, we, last week we read some things by the signers of the Declaration of Independence and saw how almost every one of the ones who signed the Declaration of Independence said we must have God and we must have the Bible in our nation in order to survive. Well, I want to go from the signers of the Declaration to what different presidents of our nation have said. The first thing I want to look at is President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Listen to what he says. He says, in the formative days of this republic, the directing influence, the Bible exercise upon the fathers of our nation is conspicuously evident. This book, the Bible, continues to hold its unchallenged place as the most loved, the most quoted, the most universally read and pondered of all the volumes which our libraries contain. We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without recognizing with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the republic. I suggest a nationwide reading of Holy Scriptures for a renewed and strengthening conduct with those eternal truths and majestic principles which have inspired such measure of true greatness as this nation has achieved. Boy, if we ever need those words again, that we need to come back to the Bible and realize that it's because of God and the words of the Bible that this nation is great. I said last week, why are, why are millions of people trying to get in? You don't see millions of people trying to break into Iran. You don't see millions of people trying to break into Syria. But they're trying to break into America. Why? Because America is the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. But if we remove the one who blessed it, we'll end up being one of those nations that nobody wants to be in. Listen in the words of President Woodrow Wilson. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of the Holy Scripture. I wonder, are we a righteous nation again? Are we living in righteousness according to what the Bible says? I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what movies say. I don't care what television says. I don't care what politicians say. Let all men be liars, but let God be the author of all truth. Listen to what President Teddy Roosevelt said. The teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and entwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally, I do not mean figuratively, I mean literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what that life would be if these teachings were removed. Could you imagine him saying that, seeing what we're seeing today, what they're trying to promote in our schools, what's on television, what's in movies? I, li I mean literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what life would be like if those teachings of the Bible were removed. We would lose almost all the standards by which we now judge both public and private morals, all the standards towards which we, with more or less resolution, strive to raise ourselves. Almost every man who has by his life work added to the sum of human achievement of which the race is proud, of which our people are proud, almost every such man has based his life work largely upon the teachings of the Bible. Look at President Andrew Jackson. If the Bible, if the Bible is the rock on which our republic stands. Abraham Lincoln the Bible is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. 
Boy, how powerful is that? Without the Bible, we could not know what is right or wrong. Zachary Taylor, President Zachary Taylor says, it was for the love of the truths of this great book, the Bible, that our fathers abandoned their native shores for this wilderness. Animated by its lofty principles, they toiled, suffered till the desert blossomed as the rose seen in Isaiah 35.1. The Bible is the best of books. I wish it were in the hands of everyone. It is indispensable to the safety and permanence of our institution. It is indispensable to the safety and the permanence of our institutions. A free government cannot exist without religion and morals, and there cannot be morals without its religion, nor religion without its Bible, especially should the Bible be placed in the hands of the young. It is the best school book in the world. I would that all of our people were brought up under the influence of this holy book. And I could go on and read more and more of what our founding fathers. This is why America was great. This is what made America great. God blessed Israel until, think about Israel, coming out of Egypt, defeating every day. They had no weapons. They had no, they had no army. They had nothing. And yet every enemy that came against them was supernaturally defeated. Think about David with a rock defeating Goliath, the giant. Think about every enemy that came against Israel and God's hand was there because they were chosen to be a nation that represented God. But the moment they said, God, we don't need you anymore, those enemies rose back up and attacked and Israel was defeated. Think about America. Think about us coming and discovering America, being brought to America, and the greatest empire at that time, England, came against us in war, and a bunch of, a bunch of settlers with muskets and pitchforks defeated the greatest army in the world at that time. It wasn't because they had squirrel guns. It's because they had God Almighty on their side, and they came to make this one nation under God. We look at 1962 when they took prayer out of school. 1962, they removed the Bible out of school. And I had a whole list. I had a list of, of about 50 things that's happened from 1962 to, to where we are now. It's the frog in the pan. From the moment we took the Ten Commandments out of the school, the moment we stopped saying, in God we trust, the moment we stopped praying, our nation began a downward slide into where it is today. Abortion, transgender, operations coming in your... Who, who, can you imagine our founding fathers thinking that in our schools, the parents don't have a right, the teacher has a right to come in and say, we need to take you. Do you feel like maybe you're a, a, a boy in a girl's body? Well, we're going to take you and have your breast cut off, or we're going to take you as a little boy, as this gentleman testified, and we're going to have you neutered. Can you imagine? Can you imagine two years ago we would be there? Folks, I'm telling you, the only way darkness can exist is for the lack of light. And God says you and I are the light of the world. I did a survey, and I just went on my computer, and I, said, I looked at decline of American morals. And it gave the list of where we've been since 1962. But where we've come in the last two years, it's like turbocharged. And so many articles, I would say 95% of the articles on the morals of America said our morals haven't declined. And I looked at those. There's one article that says the myth of moral decline in America that won't go away. And so what they're saying, every one of these articles is saying is the morals of America haven't declined. They haven't declined. They've just changed. This is what they're saying. They've just changed. So instead of saying, um, 
It's not right that you don't sleep with someone until you're married to them. It's called adultery or fornication. Well, those morals have changed. Now it's just we love one another. Or, you know what? A man ought to not be with a man, lie with a man, the way it says in the Scripture, as he lies with a woman. Well, no, no. The, the, the morals have just changed. We just love one another. Well, I'm sorry. You may say it's, it, it hasn't changed or, or, or we haven't declined. It's just changed. But my Bible says I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the same. So, I, you know, it doesn't matter what the morals of Hollywood or the morals of of um, the government or the morals of our nation was built on the teachings of Almighty God, and He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. If God said it was a man and a woman to be married back in Genesis, then it's the same until the rapture takes place. If the Bible says that we're not to touch children, it's the same no matter if it's Genesis or Revelations. God does not change, and we've got to be careful because we're seeing the church accept those changes. We're seeing preachers accept those changes. God removed this protection from Israel. What if God did the same thing to us? You look at the supernatural victories we've had. American Revolution World War One, World War Two. Supernatural, just like in Israel. And when we look at that, we need to understand it's because God has given us divine protection. Let me show you something that's really eye-opening. In John 5, Jesus goes and a man has been infirm for 38 years. And as this man is laying there by the pool, Jesus walks up to him and says, would you be made whole? And I think God's saying that same thing to all of us as individuals, us as a nation, us as a world. Would you be made whole? And what did the man say? He said, well, when the angel stirs the water, I've got no one to help me down there. And by the time I get down there, it's over. And Jesus said, you don't need that. You need me. And then he says something very peculiar. He says, now go and sin no more, lest the worst thing comes upon you. Now, here's the whole point of this message. Go and sin no more. He could be saying that to an individual. He could be saying that to a church. He could be saying that to a city. He could be saying that to a state. He could be saying that to a country. He could be saying that to a president. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing comes upon you. Now, we know of Jesus in, what is it, Matthew 7, uh, John 7, where the woman was caught in the act of adultery, John 7, caught in the act of adultery, and he says, woman, where are your accusers? None here, Lord. And he says, go and sin no more. Now, this is a Hebrew situation, so it's assumed he's saying the same thing, lest a worse thing comes upon you. You know, I started thinking this. God laid this in my spirit when I started doing this series, Be the Light in a World of dark Darkness. What could be worse than you, 38 years you've been sick and not able to get a healing? What could be worse? I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would. And I know we don't usually do turning in the Bible, but it's, it's vital that we see this instead of me just quoting it. Hebrews chapter 6, what could be worse than being ill and having no answer? Go and sin no more lest a worse thing comes upon you. Look at Hebrews 6, starting with verse 4. It says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves 
the Son of God, and put him to open shame. Now, he's talking about a backslider, whether it's a person who's backslid or a nation who's backslid or a church that's backslid. And he says it's impossible. And if you look at that word, we don't have an English word to match this. And it literally says it's almost impossible for someone who knew the truth and walked away didn't fall, walked away. It's almost impossible for that person to come back. You know, I don't usually do this, but I want to read this in the translation called The Message. Listen to this. Once people have seen the light and gotten a taste of heaven and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God and the powers breaking upon us if they turn they turn their backs on him washing their hands of him well they can't just start over as if nothing happened now i want you to look at that as our nation it says when an, when someone or let's say a nation backslide it's almost impossible to renew them again. And of course, everything I study, I study in the Hebrew. And here's the reason why. The moment you're conceived, you receive what's called, we all know the word, Shekinah. The moment you are conceived, a divine, it, 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 it's, it, it's, I love the way it's, it's said in, in, in ancient Jewish wisdom, you receive a divine spark of the presence of God. No matter who you are, every one of us receives a divine spark. Remember in Genesis, we talked about this last week. The very first words that God says is, let there be light. You know, and, and I, I could teach a month on this, but think about it. The very first thing God says is, let there be light. But then it's not for six or seven verses that he creates the sun and the moon for physical light. He's not talking about physical light. He's talking about, let there be spiritual light. Why would God create light when there was nothing to see or no one to see it? What he's saying is, from the beginning of time, everything that I create is to have that divine light of God, that divine spark of God. You know, in Hebrew, it's called neshama, and it means a connection to God, a portion of God, a divine purpose, a soul a divine spark. Your soul is that divine spark. And God says, if you backslide, it's almost impossible. If you know the truth, not that you fell, not you made a mistake, but you know the truth and you turn your back, that divine spark begins to go out. Say, well, that, that could never happen. Look what's going to happen after the rapture after the rapture there will be no restraint of evil the devil will do through people everything unimaginable worse than what we're seeing now and why will that be because that divine presence that shekinah that is still here as long as god's children are here as long as we're here there is a divine presence that is holding back the darkness but once we're gone there is no divine spark there is no divine presence the fire of god begins to go out and the world becomes darker it's called the connection to god and so when we turn our back on god whether we're a person or a, or, or, a, or a nation, it's what's called backsliding. We've all heard the term backsliding. And if you remember that we read last week when God says, return unto me, all you backslidden nation. And the word return, teshuvah, shuvah, has, ends it with the, the, the Hebrew letter bet. It's the first letter in, let there be light. So what God is saying is, let there be light. Everywhere you go, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. And he's been saying it since the beginning of Genesis. But he says, return unto me. And the word return ends with that letter bet. That letter bet 
is then the second, or then, then he says, return to me, you backslidden nation. The word backslide is the same word as return, shuva, but it has two bets on it. And the reason is, is because Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You can call yourself a child of God and serve the world in an evil way. You can't serve two masters. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to vote for that person and they're pro-abortion. You can't serve light and darkness. You can't do it. You'll end up hating one and loving the, the other one. It's interesting that the letter bet, it's, it, I can't do it well, but it's kind of like a backward C. And in Hebrew, it says it's, it's representative of your mouth. And I thought two hearts. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we speak in conversation, when we speak at voting, when we speak in who we're supporting, when we speak, we are literally showing God and the world where our heart is. So when God says something worse can come upon you, what that literally means is, is that when you turn your back, you know what's right. You know what the Word of God says. But maybe a politician is promising you something, or maybe you get something out of this, or maybe you'll be more popular this, and you harden your heart where you cannot hear the presence of God. Remember when Jesus said, they have eyes, but they don't see? They have ears, but they don't hear? They don't see what's going on. They don't hear? That's because of their hardened heart. In, in one scripture, it calls it a reprobate mind. And what this literally means, when God says, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing comes upon you, what he's saying is, if you continue to go in this direction, you'll not be able to sense me anymore. You'll not be able to feel me anymore. You'll not be able to hear me anymore. And you know what? You won't even know it. I'll be gone, and you won't even know it. And so this is why it's so important that we understand that unless we return, the further we get away from God, the less we sense him, the less we hear him, the less we feel him, until eventually he's gone. And now darkness has full reign. But you and I are the light of the world. Listen to Romans 1.28. He says, as they did not like, it's a choice. As they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. When the Bible says in Ezekiel, the soul that sins, it dies. I want you, I want you to picture this. Your soul, that divine spark, is a burning ember in you. It's a divine spark. And the soul that sins... And we keep sinning, we keep sinning, and it gets dimmer. That soul is dying until, and we can't hear him anymore. How close are we as the United States of America to, to people to run for elections that say, vote for me, I'll kill the kids. Vote for me, vote for me, and We'll make sure your kids get transgender operations. And the church is not picketing and rioting and shouting with the top of their lungs. No, we are one nation under God. How far is our soul from dying? Let me close with this. In the book of Acts, at the beginning of the church, when they realized they killed Jesus, they said to Peter, what must we do? God says here, if my people who are called by my name shall repent and pray, I'll come and heal their land. Now, we're, we're at a choice right now. We're at a choice right now. The Bible says if we allow the devil to come in, it's going to be seven times worse. 
But if we recognize this is the devil, we're not battling with flesh and blood, this is the devil, then everything the devil stole, we get back multiplied by seven. So it's up to you. I know what I'm choosing. It's up to you. I, I, I was just lying when I said I was close. It's a fake ending. So think about it. Your life right now, standing for God or staying neutral, is going to be either seven times worse, our nation will be seven times worse, or we're going to get every, seven, everything the devil stole multiplied back by seven. Think about this. How horrible would it be? We've allowed them to take prayer out of school. We've allowed them to take prayer out of our government. We've allowed them to take God out of the Bible out. We've allowed that to happen. But we can regain that land. You know, I think about Israel. Israel repented. And after 2,000 years, God gave them their land back. Miracle of miracles. And think about us. We're on parallel with Israel. You know, can you imagine what it'd be like if you and I lived in a nation where there is no voice of God, there's no voice of righteousness, there's no voice of love and charity? Can you imagine what it'd be like? Once again, I don't usually tell these stories, but right before I got saved, there were seven federal warrants out for my arrest for selling drugs to a narcotics agent. So I ran. On the way out of town, we were living at that time in Cape Girado, Missouri. And myself and two gir girls that were friends of mine, we got in our hippie Volkswagen van and we were leaving town. And a friend called us and said, hey, I just got some new drugs in. Stop by. So we stopped by and took a bunch of drugs. And I overdosed. And I really believe the devil tried to kill me. The devil doesn't know everything, but I believe the devil knew if I got out to Arizona, I'd get saved. I don't believe he knew everything, but, and so, you know, I'd never been in church. Donna, our friend, had never been in church, but Gail, our other friend, she was raised in Pentecostal church, and she was backslidden. She, she knew of it. She knew about everything. And so I overdosed on these drugs, and for two days, I was underneath the kitchen table holding on to the legs, and for two days, I kept screaming, don't leave me here. God, don't leave me here. So when I came out of that overdose and we were in the van and we're heading out towards Colorado, Gail says to me, she said, what was happening with you? I said, what? She said, you were under the table two days holding on to the kitchen table legs saying, please, God, don't leave me here. And I knew nothing about church. I knew nothing about God, knew nothing about Jesus, nothing, zero, nothing. And I said, it was the weirdest thing. I said, I was standing on a hill next to God. And I'm looking at myself, and it's a vast desert and full of flames. And I'm locked in this black box. Now, I knew nothing. Now, she was a backslider. You know, we're doing drugs. We're doing everything. And, and, and I said, and, and, I, and I can see the Lord out of the corner of my eye, God. I didn't know who Jesus or God. I didn't believe any of that. And I looked at her and I said, I'm looking at, we're both looking at me in this box crying, don't leave me here. And I said to God, why don't you help him? And he said, and I'm telling, she said, what? they're asking what's going on. I said, and God says to me, I wanted to. All along I wanted to. But he's lost forever. I can never hear his voice again. And I said, isn't that weird? And Gail began to, began to cry. And we go, what? Oh, nothing, just scary. I was that close. But just like Israel was lost for 2,000 years, and I was that close to being dead. I was that close to being dead. But God in his mercy said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll come and I will heal your land. Folks, we need God to bless America once again. Not just in a saying we have, but we need Almighty God. We're on the verge of seven times worse or seven times more powerful.
You know, the American Revolution, you know what the motto was in, during the American Revolution when we won an unbelievable, impossible war? You know what the motto was? Anybody remember? We have no king but Jesus. We're not going to let the king of England tell us how to live. When God made everything, the first thing he said was, let there be light. 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 There's to be light. And not just in us. Everywhere we go, we're to bring light. But money, money can either bring darkness or money can bring light. A teacher can either teach darkness or can teach light. A politician can either bring darkness or bring light. And God is saying, let there be light, 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 light. Everything he created. He said, it's good, it's good. And when it was all over, he created man. And he breathed the breath of God, that divine Shekinah into man. And he said, it's very good. Because he trusts you and I to be that light in a world of darkness. He trusts Israel, and for a while Israel fell away, but they're back. He trusts America. Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Think about the parallel between Israel and America. You know, the United States, our, our, excuse me, Dallas, Texas, is the same longitude or latitude. Which one is it? The longitude? as we're the exact same longitude as Jerusalem. And when I read that, and he said, I'll hear your prayers in this house, and I'll bring my power into this house. I believe God is saying, if we'll stand together, listen, we're either going to fall apart or we're going to stand together because I believe in all my heart, greater is he that's in us than anything that's in the world. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me and give the Lord a clap offering one time and say, I believe God can bless America. Give the Lord a clap offering if you would. He created everything. And then he created us. And the Bible says he breathed in the man's nostrils. Ancient Jewish wisdom says he took a part of himself, divine almighty God, and he put it into each and every one of us. Let me ask you personally, is your ember, is your spark been getting dim? Well, you know, if I say something, I won't be cool. Or if I say something, you know, at work, or if I say something, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And you know what? The darker it gets, the more important the shining light is. Amen? I want to end it with this. You know, we, we said last week, they, they, they're shouting, we're queer, we're here, we're not going anywhere, Satan rules, and we're coming for your children. And I thought, well, we need to have a motto. We're the children of God. We're not a few. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in you. Amen. Right? And I'm not saying that, I'm not, you know, I, I, I was a heroin addict, a drug cocaine addict. I was doing heroin and cocaine when I came to the Lord, and he just took me as I was. But then he cleaned me up. I haven't done heroin and cocaine for weeks. I had a light in the mood. It was getting a little heavy in here. So we're not battling with flesh and blood, right? But we are battling with principalities and powers, the rules of darkness. You think about this force. There's a reason. In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for coincidence. The devil is trying to prepare the world for a one-world government, one-world economy, and one-world religion. That's why they, they, they don't want us to be loyal to the United States. They want our old borders open. They want the borders of Europe open, so we're one-world government, right? One day for George Washington. One day for the 4th of July. One day for Dr. King. But a month for pride? A month? Well, I was looking at that, and I thought, okay, a month for pride. And God said, yeah, and pride comes before a fall. <laughs> Satan, you're going down in Jesus' name.
Satan, you're going down. Somebody shout amen. I want us to stand. I want to ask Candy, in, and after she sings this, I want to close. I want to seal us in prayer. But I want us, Candy to sing this song. Where are you, sweetheart? I love when Candy sings. Go ahead and lead us in this great American one nation under God song. people who are called by my name, Christians and Jews that love they, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you humble yourself and pray, repent of your sin, I'll come and heal your land. God said that to Israel, and he did it. Took 2,000 years. I don't know that we have three years. So I think we need to get on the praying and repenting treadmill right now. Amen. We need to be people that say, you know what? For me and my family, I'm serving God. And I think God has allowed me to say these things because I'm, you know, I'm not the normal pastor. I'm not. I didn't come. I wasn't raised in church. I wish I was. I was raised in the streets. I've done everything sin imaginable I never wore a dress well one time one time but that was in college that was a long time ago I actually did wear a dress one time in college I was a freshman on the football team and as a what do you call it initiation I had to come out all the freshmen had to come out in dresses at halftime at the basketball game and play a basketball game so if you ever see a picture of me in a dress I have a reason so I know what it is to be saved by grace. But I also know what it is to get a wonderful, wonderful life. Because I didn't just pray. I accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. And that's what makes America great. Amen.